Luke 9, 23, one verse. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I want to speak again on the making of a disciple, something that wasn't really a part of my planned messages, but something I felt in the past week. I want to talk to you about unwavering commitment. God bless you. You can be seated. Unwavering commitment. Just this week I was looking back and I noticed something I had not seen, that in October 2016 I did a four-lesson series entitled Follow Me. I'm not sure that's archived, but you may be able to go back. But I was able to create seven fresh new lessons that I've enjoyed studying very much. And at the end of my Bible study, we'll spend the balance of the time praying, as I mentioned recently. This is the week leading up to the crucifixion, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the week we celebrate the best we know. This week started for Jesus going to Jerusalem and with the triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem. And as he walked, rode in, riding on this donkey that had never been ridden before, you could hear people's hosannas and praise echoing off the walls of Jerusalem and over the Judean hills. Matthew speaks of this, that the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. They cut down branches from trees and put it in the road so Jesus would not have to just ride on any pavement. After all, he's the Messiah, the King of Israel. And they were saying things like, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. And others asked, Who is this? They said, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Luke said that they were saying things like uh, shouting, Blessings on the King. Peace in heaven. Glory in the highest heaven. It was an amazing moment. Luke says that they were singing and walking along with Jesus from the Mount of Olives all the way into the city of Jerusalem, which is a considerable distance, and they were thanking God, singing about the wonderful miracles that He had done. What a great day. Triumphant entry into Jerusalem. At this moment, Jesus was wildly popular with the people of the land, but not the corrupt leaders. In this last week before the crucifixion, He would curse a fig tree, and he would cleanse the temple. I ran across a message that I spoke years ago on what to curse and what to cleanse in our lives, cursing and cleansing. There is this controversy, first of all by the Pharisees and the Herodians, then by the Sadducees, and again by the Pharisees. Jesus challenged them directly, and I'm collapsing a lot of discourses, a lot of dialogue to just make a few points to get to one main point or two. Jesus taught intensely and privately to his disciples. John 13 through 16, Matthew 24 and 25, Luke, 13, Luke 21, Mark 13. He spoke on the end of time, what shall be the sign of that coming, the end of the world. He prayed over them in John 17, that prayer of intercession for his disciples. And then, toward the end of this week, the tide of public opinion turned against Jesus Christ. Their leaders were determined to kill him. But the Bible says that they would not arrest him 
for fear that the people would riot. Mark 14, 1 tells us this. Jesus is so popular, it hasn't changed their mind, but they don't want to see the people riot. Luke 22, 2 said that they sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Now, we want to kill him, we've made up our minds, but the people are not for this. Leaders who are political fear public opinion. Public opinion is very powerful. Leaders should be mindful of the needs of people, but not in matters of conviction or truth. A leader is there to lead, to do the right thing. But for these leaders who are highly political, corrupted and motivated by power, the cultural climate was not conducive to killing Jesus yet. It didn't change their goal. It just changed their timing and their tactics. They would convince the people and then they would carry out the crucifixion. These corrupt leaders have power. They're trusted. They sit in Moses' seat. They wear long flowing robes. They've got positions and the people trust and follow them. In the beginning of this series, I said that you should be careful if you tell me who you're following I will tell you where you're going. And if you tell me who you're following, I will tell you what you're becoming. Your heroes, your mentors are determining what you will become in the next months and years of your life. In the end, the Bible said in Matthew chapter 27 that the the priests, these corrupt leaders, chief priests and elders, they persuaded The multitude. I don't know how they persuaded the multitude. I I know that they charged Jesus with claiming to be God, with blasphemy. But in an insidious way, they turned the tide of public opinion against Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, public opinion is not always right. Matthew 27 Pilate is trying to let Jesus go. He wants to release him. But the people say, no, give us Barabbas. Give us the murderer, the proven murderer, Barabbas. What shall I do with Jesus? Let him be crucified. The governor, Pilate, said, what evil has he done? And they cried the more, saying, let him be crucified. And Pilate saw that nothing could be done. He washed his hands to show his innocency in the case of Jesus Christ. And the people said, you're washing the blood off your hands, but let his blood be on us and on our children. And you've heard me say before, don't ever put that on your children. There's some things people put on their children. It's not fair to your children. They released Barabbas. They delivered Jesus to be crucified. I've always been baffled at how in the course of a handful of days, these people went from worship to war, you could say. They went from praise to punish that man. The closest disciples of Jesus were offended and stumbled at his arrest and crucifixion, but they recovered from that, minus Judas Iscariot, and became loyal disciples willing to lay down their lives. But these people were not disciples at all. They were there for loaves and fishes. They were there for the miraculous. They were in when everything was popular and good. But when that tide of public opinion changed, They were off that train that were following Jesus. They could shout 
Hosanna probably on Monday. I know some people call it Palm Sunday. And then they could say crucify him on Thursday. How can people be so fickle to change that fast? But people just are. But what about me? And what about you in following Jesus Christ? Disciples of Jesus follow him no matter the cost. And there are times when discipleship costs you a lot. And Jesus said, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus said, this is Matthew 10, 34. I do not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now what is this? He's the Prince of Peace, but he comes to bring his sword. What is his sword? This sword is truth. This sword is right. This sword is light. This sword divides people over truth. Jesus said in this passage, For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is worthy of me. I have seen people change their doctrine, change their holiness standards because of their parents or because of their children. Jesus said, He that does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it. He that loses his life for my sake shall find it. I've covered some aspects of this passage, but, but this is what I want to drive home tonight. And, and I really feel strong in my spirit that there are times when discipleship requires us to take a stand that is unpopular, that may cost us a lot, even our lives. But will you be one of those people who shouts, you know, Hosanna on Sunday? And then goes to work on Monday or goes to school on Monday. And when peer pressure is on, if it becomes illegal to go to church or to worship God, if persecution comes to the church before the Lord comes back for us, I know we'd all like to get out of here before the heat gets turned up. I do not believe, it is my belief, that uh, the church will not go through the great tribulation. But there will be tribulation. There will always be trouble for the people of God. And I'm afraid that we're so pampered in our culture that a little bit of tribulation seems like the great tribulation. The Apostle Peter said, Think it not strange concerning your fiery trial, which is to try you as if some strange thing has happened to you. Why should we think it strange that people may mock us or make fun of us or that the culture would think that our stand for truth is out of style and obsolete? But in this culture more than ever, as the heat is turned up and everything that can be shaken will be shaken, it is time for true disciples of Jesus Christ to have an unwavering commitment to the person of the Lord and to His Word, to truth. Amen? Jesus said, My sheep know My voice, and a stranger they will not follow. I don't think Eve had ever heard the voice of the serpent, but it was a strange voice that she listened to that led her away from truth. I believe she heard the voice and knew the voice of God that came and walked in the garden in the cool of the day. I don't think it's the first time 
He ever walked with them and talked with them in the Garden of Eden. The disciple, to be a disciple of Jesus. It may mean swimming, it will mean swing, swimming against the current of popular culture. And people who give in trade their eternal soul for the pleasures of sin for a season. Defectors trade pleasures forevermore for what is transitory. Moses was not afraid to enjoy the reproach of God's people rather than the pleasures of sin for a season. So in our culture, you may get canceled. In the early church, they were killed. Maybe some people think it's, think it's worse to be canceled than to be killed or equated. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ means standing up, not caving in. And in 2021, a lot of people are caving into the culture. I was on the phone the other night in a call with a man who's a consultant to Urshan College. and He's connected to many Christian colleges. He's not an apostolic man, but a very good man. And he said, I'm, I'm so alarmed by what I see in so many Christian colleges that are caving in, that are giving in, mainline denominations. You don't, you don't get from believing the Bible as the inerrant word of God, absolute word of God one day, and then ordaining homosexuals into the ministry the next. It's a long, slow slide. It is an erosion of truth. It is a darkness that descends on you bit by bit. So my message to you tonight is to stand up for Jesus Christ. And if you're a disciple, have an unwavering commitment to His Lordship in your life, to His Word in your life. John 12, 42 on the screens. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on Him. They were convinced by His miracles but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him. Lest they should be put out of the synagogue. We're going to be kicked out of our church. We might be kicked out of our home. We may be disowned. We may lose our job. Who knows what they may be. But John tells us why. Verse 43. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Proverbs 24.10 said, If you faint... In the day of adversity, your strength is small. I read a commentator who said, when a man loses his courage, his strength avails him nothing. The children of Ephraim, armed and carrying bows, turn back in the day of battle. We've got all the weaponry we need. Amen? We've got the Word of God, the Spirit of God, but your strength is nothing if you lose heart. But I learned years ago from a young man and I asked him for permission to preach his sermon to young people when I traveled. That if you will take a stand for God, God will stand with you. Amen? Amen. But if you capitulate, if you give in, then you're standing alone in a place of compromise and you have no divine help. So let's stand up for Jesus Christ in this day. Let's be followers of Him in the way we think, in the way we live our daily lives and the values we embrace, and our stand for truth, the oneness of God, the new birth, the salvation plan, holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Don't play the game. 
What's the difference between this and that? A little compromise here, a little changing there. It's just a little thing you say, but what a difference a line may make. And I have learned that wherever you draw the line, that is where the battle starts. So you need to draw a line where the Bible draws the lines, a principled line. Why, why not draw a safe conservative line and quit playing the game of a little compromise here and a little change there and soon you don't even know who you are anymore. What kind of guts does this world have, this church have, the church world have, the courage to stand for what is right? If you don't mind, please stand. Amen. So follow the Lord, follow Jesus, be a disciple. Even when the tide of public opinion changes. So, well, wait a second. It was Hosanna. Now it's crucify him. Now they did it. Just wait three days. God is in control. And whether we give our lives, and I mentioned this last Wednesday, I believe, and all these things were more than conquerors through him that loved us. That's death. That's all of that. But ultimately, we win when we follow Jesus Christ. And there is never a resurrection without a crucifixion. And there's never a new birth until there's a death to sins in repentance. So we're just going to hang on through whatever happens in our culture till the sunrise of the catching away of the saints of God. And when Christ is revealed, Paul said, then we too shall be revealed with Him in glory. The world will not just see Him, they will see the people who were unwavering in their commitment to Him in that last day. Amen. And so here's what we're going to do for the next 20 minutes or so. We're going to pray. And you're welcome to kneel at your seat. You're welcome to come to the altar. Give some distance there. While you're going to wherever you may go to pray, if you'll wear your mask to that spot. And then if you're socially distant, you could pray. And uh, I know it may be changing from six feet to three feet, but if you'll just hang on through Easter, we're not going to make any changes at this moment, okay? And uh, you all look maskless right now for the most part, not everyone. Some of you are doing this for your health, others for your work, and I respect that. And uh, we'll never make fun of a person's being more careful, right? I think more conservative is better than more liberal in every way, as long as you're not a Pharisee or a hypocrite. You'll see some slides on the screen, reminders of prayer, prayer for Easter, and I'd like for you to focus on that and these other needs. And uh, I may do a formal dismissal. If not, when you need to go, you're welcome to go. Uh, but let's just lift our hands now. And this is what I want us to pray. I, I was talking to a friend today on the phone. I had a little small conference call. And um, they told me about a family member that had walked away from truth. And I've been upset about that. I was, that's not why I'm teaching this message. I was already almost finished with this message. But my heart's been broken for that person just to just walk away from the apostolic doctrine, just to find a lesser way, a more convenient way. Um, I pray that God would give us the fortitude. I said, you know, we need the grace of God, but we also need some grit, some gut, some courage that I believe God can give us. We have everything we need from God. We just have to decide that we're on His side no matter what.